Good morning. It is Wednesday, February 24th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now by Steve Lorenz, who covers Michigan Wolverines for 247sports.com and the Michigan Insider. Steve, I had no idea that the Wolverines began spring practice this week. But once I saw that this morning on the internet, I was like, I got to get Steve on. So appreciate you joining us. The last time you were on, I got to tell you, Steve, like it was one of our most popular episodes ever, not just in listens, but in like reaction. The episode was, it was about Jim Harbaugh. People nationally have the Jim Harbaugh takes all wrong. And you were pretty (laughs) defiant, Steve. You were like, you had some good uh, commentary. And throughout the season, when it looked like Michigan was absolutely going to move on from Jim Harbaugh, I got a lot of requests saying, get Lorenz back on and, and let's tell him he was wrong. Sure enough, though, you were right, Steve. Jim Harbaugh remained Michigan's head coach. I just, just want to let you come on and brag about it. Well, I'd say it'd be something to brag about, but they, you know, I think that was before the season we talked and they, they did nothing on the field, off the field, operationally, anything to really make me look good. Uh, maybe a slight stroke of luck. Not that he's back necessarily, but just that it kind of turned out that way. So, yeah, here we are. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating 2021 season for Michigan in, in more ways than one, no doubt about it. Well, though, I think like that kind of, okay, you weren't right that Michigan was going to have this good year, but that's not really what you were saying. It was more so like, this isn't a marriage that's about to blow up. It was, this is, it's for now really the best Michigan can do. And both parties want to make this work. And and you were pushing back against the, the narrative that let's talk all, let's, let's talk about Jim Harbaugh's buyout. And let's talk about like the fact that, that these two sides are, are not working well together. I mean, the fact that Jim Harbaugh and Michigan were able to renegotiate after the season to take a, a pay cut of 50%. I was going to say a big pay, big pay. Yeah. To remain yeah. as Michigan's head coach. Like to me, you were right. You're right on, on that. And, and I think, and Sam Webb, uh, your coworker uh, over there too, like you guys must have known the whole time, even when it was bad, like even when it was Wisconsin game bad, you stuck with your guns. And, and I wonder if you think that was there ever a chance that they, they walked away from each other after the season though? I think, I think maybe for a short time, you know, there was some murky, you know, some fogginess there uh, as far as how, what the, all, the outcome may be. You think of the long gap between first sight, like we thought they would try to get everything done before first signing day, you know, cause you want, you don't want to risk alienating these, this class that you've signed. If, if the result that everyone wants is for Harbaugh to come back, you know, for the mutual agreement is for him to come back. The fact they went through national signing day without an agreement, I think led to a little bit of uncertainty for a while. But all in all, never felt like the, you know, every year there's always been this undercurrent that he wants to go back to the NFL. And um, I still think there'd be a demand for him in the NFL. I don't know why people don't think there would be. Uh, but I want to say he has the fourth highest regular season winning percentage, minimum 50 games or 60 games coached in the NFL. You see some of the other guys that get second chances in the league can't fathom that somebody wouldn't give him a second chance if he really wanted back in there. But it did kind of feel the whole time though, that this is, this was going to be what, what happened and that they would, he would have to make with the agreement that wholesale changes kind of had to be made at the assistant level, which, yeah, I mean, just, they just, another one happened 72 hours ago. I mean, so they're uh, completely rehauled the coaching staff while amping up the pressure big time. Right. I mean, that buyout number is so much lower that it makes it easier for Michigan to get out if things don't look like they're going to work out. Tell me about the staff overhaul, Steve. Josh Gaddis stays. Feels like, gosh, he, he's already been there two years. It feels like he's been there for longer. And we've, we kind of every offseason now keep saying, hey, here comes the Josh Gaddis offense. But Don Brown being fired, the defensive coordinator, that's 
Like that that's pretty tough for Jim Harbaugh. You know he loves him. He's called him the best defensive coordinator in football. It wasn't working. And I think I don't know, like that that caught me by surprise. I, I almost I almost had thought to myself, like Jim Harbaugh might just go down with the ship rather rather than making those kind of tough staff adjustments. Well, I think with Don Brown, I mean they're they're first the pattern was ever versus everybody except Ohio State. But even then, I think you go back to the big game in 16, the overtime game where Michigan had 21 tackles for a loss, eight sacks, defense did everything they could to win that game. And in 17, when they were totally overmatched from a roster standpoint, Michigan had multiple opportunities to beat Ohio State in that game as well. 18 and 19, Ohio State did what they wanted with Michigan defensively, but you were starting to see more and more the better talent they would face on the offensive side of the ball, the more they were kind of, you know, Wisconsin, I think ran for like some outrageous amount of yards the last two years against Michigan. Penn State, the one year where with Saquon Barkley, I think they won 42 to 17. You were seeing more and more chinks in the armor. And the other thing, the flip side with that too, is it didn't feel like in a lot of areas that Michigan was recruiting well enough across the board defensively to kind of keep Don Brown's defense at a dominant level with the style that he likes to play. I think his style is is very dependent on having extreme talent up front, particularly in the middle. And they've really have not been the same since Mo Hurst graduated, in my opinion. So I don't think for for us as the season wore on, I mean, you're seeing just some of the numbers these teams are by Mich- Michigan State, the kid that had said the Ricky White that had such a big game from I think he had like one catch the rest of the year or something. I mean, it's just like they're just allowing such outrageous numbers defensively that I think it just it was time for a change. I agree with you though, as far as like it was one of those things where it's like it's kind of hard to believe that Harbaugh let him go because yeah, I mean, I think there was a there's a mountain of respect there between both of those guys. And I have to imagine it was one of the tougher coaching decisions he's ever made. The changes they made were interesting. You talk about Harbaugh taking a pay cut. We thought that initially thought the assistant pool would go up then. It did not. They are paying their assistants less than they were last year too. So not only did Harbaugh take a pay cut, but the uh, the uh, assistant group as a whole is making less money. Uh, Mike McDonald from the Ravens. Uh, the two guys, because they just got another guy from the Ravens, Matt Weiss, who's going to do the, uh, he's the quarterback's coach, but is also going to have a lot of say, I think, in the running game. Both guys, I believe, were being groomed as NFL coordinators at one point, we know McDonald was for sure. And I've seen Weiss mentioned as potential candidate for NFL OC jobs uh, last offseason. So quietly got a couple like you're seeing it. You guys, you guys know it. You see it more and more younger. It's not you don't have to have like this extensive resume now to get a big time job. There's a lot of younger, fresh faces at the college level that are getting like bigger and bigger opportunities at this point. You know, I mean, these are both guys that have been coaching at the in the NFL level for a while. And then Mo Linguist, who uh, went from Minnesota to AM to the Cowboys, now to Michigan. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely been around, uh, but brings a wealth of experience. And also, which to me is the biggest change for this coaching staff, is the recruiting angle of everything. Because Michigan now, in my opinion, has energy from top to bottom of their staff as far as recruiting goes. Um, Michigan can recruit itself, but I think like they needed to stop allowing Michigan to recruit itself and go recruit. They were still recruiting pretty hard and they put together some really good classes, but it was the same two or three assistant coaches, I think, putting in not all the work, but the bulk of it in a lot of the really big races. A guy like Sharon Moore, who's a tight ends coach getting Daxton Hill and Darian Green Warren, a four-star corner out of California. Why is why is your tight ends coach the primary on a four-star cornerback out of California? Now I think there's a, a much, much bigger balance on the recruiting trail. 
you know, the, the question now is, can they, how, how well they're going to coach? Uh, that's, you know, there's a lot of questions there just because the, nobody really knows a lot about these guys and the experience. And, you know, Brian Jean-Marie just left to take a job at Tennessee, meaning they now have no play calling experience on the defensive side of the ball. His, his departure, I think quietly, very significant in that regard, as far as Mike McDonald could very well be the guy and could be a stud, you know, might be a, a one of these young whiz kids yeah. type guys. I think he's only like 33 or 34, but there is no play calling experience on that side of the ball. So it's going to be really interesting to see because Jim Harbaugh's never been a hands-on guy defensively. Going to be fascinating to see how that kind of comes together. And offensively, yeah, Sharon Moore, tight ends coach, moves over to offensive line, gets the co-offensive, co-offensive coordinator title. You know, that one we're going to have to see. Ed Warner, decent, not great recruiter, but by all accounts was a a pretty good assistant coach from the coaching uh, angle of things. So that's kind of quietly another big question mark for Michigan is how, how does Sharon Moore tra- you know, move from tight ends to offensive line? And is that a seamless transition or not? So if you give me a spicy answer here, we're going to do our best to not make it go, not viral, but get some good engagement on Twitter. It, the way you're talking, do you love this staff, Steve, or you, do you just like this staff? Because you mentioned the assistant pool. It was lower than last year. And you talk about, there's some youth and yeah, like you watch the NFL and it's all these young hotshot coaches and, 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 and maybe this is next Brandon Staley, you know, the new coach of the chargers who was the DC for the Rams for like a year. Um, and, and maybe these guys are, they know what they're doing or maybe it doesn't work out at all, but how do you, and then maybe instead of you yourself, how do the fans feel about these guys? I think the early returns, the fans are excited because they're seeing some good, rec- like recruiting is the only thing they really can have been able to see anything tangibly so far. Um, and they've done pretty well in the recruiting trail. I mean, you know, like talk about Mo Linguist, uh, Michigan got two commitments from kids in Cody Jones and Taylor Groves out of Tennessee of, of guys that I don't think the last staff would have offered or pursued. You know, and I think right away, I think they've brought a little more energy to the table as far as that goes. As far as like, do I like them or love the moves? I I think it's clear that Harbaugh's fingers on the pulse enough to know that this group, like there's a culture, something in the culture of the program needed to change. I don't know if it was a just needed more youth and energy from the staff as far as like, you know, something along those lines or if there was something else. But it's clear, not just by the amount of moves, but just the the straight up youth movement that he's made as far as the just literally the age of all these guys that he's hired makes you wonder if there was something, you know, that he felt like they needed more than just bringing in a different group of coaches, but just bringing in a different style of coach. So, you know, I don't know. It's going to be fascinating. Michigan, like for all their faults last year, of which they had many, I was trying to think before we got on, and I can't think of anything they really did particularly well last year um, across the board. I mean, it was just a just a letdown in every way, shape, or form. On the flip side, they had a ton of injuries everywhere. You know, Jalen Mayfield missed time. Ryan, hey, both your starting tackles missed time. Your starting center could barely walk by the end of the third game. Probably your three three of your four best defensive players either suffered season-ending injuries in Aiden Hutchinson and Cameron McGrone or were out for, I think, at least a couple games in Quiddy Pay. You know, they they were really, really banged up last year for whatever reason. So, you know, they're just... It's just gonna. It's just gonna be interesting because there are. There's like. There's the question of the staff, and then there's the question is of was last year like more of a mulligan or is it indicative of where things are headed? I don't particularly think they're gonna come out and do what they did last year. But the question is, does that really matter? Do they do enough in the other direction to make it, you know, to to satisfy or, or to make fans happy to keep this going? You know, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, I tend to believe that for the Big Ten and the Pac-12, it was just a mulligan season. Um, we're going to talk quarterbacks in, in one second, but give us a player 
in the spring you've got your eye on. It does not need to be the third string left guard who you think is going to make some strides. It could be a a big time name, someone who you think could could be uh, quickly rounding into superstar form for Michigan. I want to see what Daxon Hill yes, I'm glad. can become yeah. in year three. Kind of indicative of last year, right? It's like he showed it in flashes, but also I thought it had some what I would say were interesting moments. I know the game against Rutgers in particular, I think you'd argue, and I think many fans noted, did not look like he was playing as hard as he could have in certain situations for whatever reason. I know I we noticed it watching the game and talked about it on our, our post-game pod. This is, again, we always talk about it with him. He's the kid that Nick Saban, when he was recruiting him, said he's the best defensive back prospect he had recruited since, you know, along with Micah Fitz, Micah Fitzpatrick or something like that. He's that kind of talent. New defensive staff, they know what they have with him. You know, Michigan has had, they haven't had really great safety play since probably 16. They had DeMonte Thomas, Delano Hill was a really, really good, very underrated combo uh, as far as like down the line of, of great Michigan safeties. But Daxon's on a different level. He's probably the guy I'm most interested to hear when we start getting practice reports and stuff like that to hear if, if the light has completely turned on. Not that it has to turn on. I just think he needs some stability and needs to just, they need to let their talent shine on the defensive side of the ball a little bit more, in my opinion. Uh, you're looking last year, they're two and three or two and two or whatever, and they're still playing. They were playing walk on walk on guys at linebacker over Army All American kids like Kalel Mullings, kids like Nikai Hill Green, who was a four star prospect, guys that we heard such great things about in the spring. You know, it's like they they just had this under Don Brown. I feel like there was this tendency to kind of baby some of these guys along and not just throw them into the fire when last year would have been the perfect time to to play these guys and get them some real legit reps. That's one thing I think is going to change big time. I think you're going to see talented, the most talented guys are going to be the guys that are going to see the field more often. And, and that starts with Daxon Hill. It's so funny you said that. My dad and I would like dis. Like I'm just randomly bringing up my dad is the generation of of person who loves the story of the walk on who had a good week of practice and gets like he deserved to start or he deserved to get some reps or, you know, like catch a few balls here and there, even in the second quarter. I totally am the other way. I'm I'm with you. And I'm not saying you and I don't like walk-ons. We do. But the football team I watch a lot too does that, where it's it's the, the best players are not playing. It's the ones who played harder in practice. And I think as a coach, that's tough. But yeah, like if you're if you're Michigan, you're right. Like you look you look at their roster, you look at their talent level, like Daxton Hill, you look at all those guys and you just don't hear about them much. So it's it's encouraging to to know that the new staff is going to you make an effort to play them, even if it means for the younger guys, at least some growing pains, which is a natural and perfect segue to our final question I have for you. JJ McCarthy, five-star quarterback, top 25 player in the class of 2021. It's him or Cade McNamara now to be a quarterback. Joe Milton transferred, Dylan McCaffrey transferred. I'm sure that did not surprise you. Do you expect JJ McCarthy to be the starter this season? I think it's going to be interesting. I, I think so. I we, we were asked to pick a player to watch in the spring on our own site, and he, I mean, just he was the guy I picked. I mean, it's, it's an easy pick, but I didn't really care. I mean, that's that's like he's the guy I'm most interested to see. I think I don't have, think there's any doubt that he has the talent level to do it. What I think makes it even more possible is the intangible stuff that he possesses. I, I think everybody on our site probably interviewed him at least once during his recruitment. And I'm sure probably about 20 people at 24 seven interviewed him at some point or another, you know, throughout, he's got a different level of just, he just is wise beyond his years as far as just the way he talks, the way he carries himself. But one thing I liked about him and talking to him is, again, I don't think many guys get this. There's like such a different pressure 
right now today at Michigan than there is at almost any other program in the country where even under Harbaugh is like they've they've gotten close, but they haven't done the two things. Like none of that has mattered because they still haven't beaten Ohio State and they haven't gotten in Indiana. They haven't gotten in Indianapolis. And he's like he was so cognizant of that, of that idea and of those things and that the perception of how Michigan is not going to be Michigan until they can get back to doing one, if not both of those things. That's an awareness level you don't really see out of a lot of high school kids. I think a lot of guys get into the college game and then they start to, then they understand it, they see it, they learn it. He was aware of that 18 months ago after he, I mean, not too long after he committed, he started, I think he understood how the fan base works, you know, what the program needs, that type of deal. So he's just, you know, he's just a different dude in a lot of different ways. So not to try to hype him up too much, I just, the tangible part of the game is what impresses me the most about him. And, and that's the type of guy I think with that level of talent, the arm talent he has is what can maybe get him on the field faster. But I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't write off Cade McNamara either. The thing with Cade, I always go back to was, I think it was, I think it's Charles power big on the, he talks a lot about the guys who are statistically dominant in high school at the quarterback position, usually tend to find a lot of success. And I mean, I believe he was the state of Nevada's best passer ever. I mean, the, he was putting up video game numbers, his junior and senior season out there. And, uh, was a guy, wow. Yeah. I want to, you have to look back. I don't <laughs> know. He had some outrageous number of passing yards or it is, uh, senior year one of the last two years he had just video game numbers and uh you know he's a kid that had Notre Dame Alabama had a lot of good offers you know so not a kid that to scoff at by any means and the other thing about Cade I think he has a lot of respect in the locker room when he helped lead that comeback over Rutgers uh there were a lot of videos released from the locker room so definitely a kid I feel like the team responded pretty well to you know and he's another one that got hurt uh, he wasn't healthy the last two games of the season. So really didn't get a full opportunity to showcase what he was about, except in that game versus Rutgers. So, you know, so I wouldn't, I would definitely absolutely not write him off. It's just the allure of what McCarthy is and what he's capable of is, is very tantalizing for, for Michigan fans, for sure. Yeah. And me too. Like I, I'm rooting for the, for the five-star freshman. That's just, it's just more fun. And the, uh, it's a weird schedule. It's, it's, it's not easy. Uh, two Mac teams in the first three weeks and, and Washington in week two. So if it is JJ McCarthy, it's, I'm not saying Western Michigan in week one is being thrown into the fire, but like this ain't an FCS cupcake or anything like that. And you got Wisconsin in early October. Steve Lorenz, uh, thanks for taking time. I, I know you got a good basketball team to watch and, and talk about these days, but it, it's always good to talk spring football. Follow him at Tremendous UM on Twitter. Everyone loves talking Michigan. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll get you on before the season starts and, and see what old Jim's up to. And uh, he got a little bit of a hot water his interview with our Brandon Marcello last summer um, when he said Michigan was close, people love to take that kind of stuff out of context. So uh, when Jim Harbaugh starts making the media rounds and if he says anything, people uh, dissect a little bit too far. We'll, we'll make sure to get you back on uh, again soon. Our producer is Lance Lynn. I'm Trey Scott. We'll talk to y'all Thursday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.